Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to this brand new podcast titled Living My Catholic Faith. And I'm your host, Deacon Wally Calabrese, and we are going to come together probably weekly, maybe a little bit more, but for the most part, weekly, 30 minutes to an hour at the most, and we're just going to come together and talk about living our Catholic faith and what that means. But before we do anything, we should always start with a prayer. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are truly thankful for all the gifts and blessings that you bring into our lives daily. We continually give you honor and praise that is rightfully due to you for all the blessings that you bestow upon us. We humbly ask that you continue to fill us with your spirit, allow us to grow more closer to you. That way we can spend all eternity with you. We ask this through Christ, your our Lord, your Son, who lives with you and reigns forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so you might be wondering, who in the heck is Deacon Wally Calabrese, and why should I listen to him? Well, that's a great question. I'm a deacon in the Diocese of Raleigh. I've been ordained for 11 years. Um, I think I have a pretty unique gift of speaking the truth of presenting the gospel in a way where people can relate. And sometimes, you know, I think I do an all right job. Other times I think I do well, not all right job, but I do my best, and that's the goal, right? It's how do we get people to understand and meet our Lord, but more importantly have a relationship with our Lord so that way we can continue to grow and know him personally and to be more like him. And I think that's the important thing. How do we become more like Christ? And that, my friends, is what it means to live our Catholic faith. All of us are called to be more like our Lord. And there's a lot of responsibility that come with that. We have to sometimes be that person who's standing against the status quo. Everyone thinks this is right. Everyone thinks we should be doing a certain thing. We know that we shouldn't be doing it. And that puts us sometimes in a little bit of a pressure because, you know, do people actually want to pay attention to us? Do we follow what society says? What does Holy Mother Church say? And what are our responsibilities to our family and our friends and those who leave the church? And what do we do? How do we continue to grow? How do we continue to flourish? And how do we continue to be that light in sometimes very dark, dark times? But it's not always that bad, right? Now, we've heard over and over again, you know, there's a lot of folks that are saying that, you know, the Catholic Church needs to change. The Catholic Church doesn't need to change. The Catholic Church is the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is the foundation of all Christianity, and that'll be a topic all of itself. And I'm not here to bash any of our Protestant brothers and sisters. I'm not going to do that. You'll not find that on this podcast. We'll never do that. My hope, my goal is through this podcast and through other ministries that we do, whether it's my writings, my homilies, the idea is that you come to know Christ more, and that's through my actions. And if I'm one who's causing a division, then that's not that's not being Christ-like. That's actually being opposite of Christ. So we want to draw people closer to the church. We want to bring, bring people back home to the church, but we have to do that in a loving, compassionate, and a pastoral way, right? So how do we do that? Well, I like to use an example of when I joined the Marine Corps. I'm, 
I'm only using the Marine Corps because I'm a Marine. So, you know, my dad was Army. My brother, older brother was Army. My younger brother was Navy. We have a cousin in the Air Force, cousins in the Navy, nephew in the Navy. Son, both of my son-in-laws uh, served in the Marine Corps. So we're a very pro-military family. But here's the thing. When I went to boot camp in 1987, you know, I didn't know anything about the Marine Corps, really, other than what I saw on TV and some of the infomercials and whatnot. All I knew is I wanted to be a Marine. Well, before that, I wanted to be Army because, you know, my dad. But it turned out I, I really wanted to become a Marine. So what happens during that 13 weeks? Well, these drill instructors, they get you, right? And they have to teach you, mold you, and have you actually conform to what it means to be a Marine. Well, during that 13 weeks, I literally believed everything about the Marine Corps. I eat, sleep, and I can't finish that part, but I, <laughs> I actually believed I could take on the world when I graduated boot camp. I was five foot six, 135 pounds, but man, I tell you what, I was every bit of Marine. Lean, mean, fight machine. And, you know, I didn't really think I was going to do 20 years, but I ended up doing 20 years, and I enjoyed it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I retired as a gunnery sergeant. met a lot of wonderful friends. Uh, I consider brothers and sisters. And we have a bond. As Marines, we really believe we are brothers and sisters, and we honor the traditions and uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 80 years old or if you're 17 years old. We're brothers and sisters in arms. We are Marines. We believe that. We model that. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we do have our quote-unquote 10%. But, you know, we all believed that we're Marines. Well, it's the same thing in the Catholic Church, right? You know, we bring our kids, they're baptized, and we fall away. Or not all of us, but for the most part, many people fall away. Then they come back. Because now it's time for First Holy Communion. Then they fall away. Then they come back because now it's time for confirmation. We don't know why we're doing it. We're just doing it because that's what we're told we had to do and what we believed we had to do. But here's the deal. Do we actually believe that we're Catholic? Do we actually believe that this is the one true apostolic faith? Do we believe what we profess every Sunday in the creed? Do we believe that? And if we believe that, why aren't we living that way if we believe that? Why do we say, that's okay, it doesn't bother me because it's not affecting my family. So-and-so does this or so-and-so does that. When, in fact, it is affecting your family because we are all brothers and sisters. We are all Catholic. Now, what if I'm Protestant? You're, you're still Christian, right? So you're still my brothers and sisters in Christ. We just you know, want you to come home to the Catholic Church. And, you know, I don't believe in the Catholic Church. Well, that's going to be another topic. We'll, we'll talk about that later. This is just basically an introduction to try to get, get your attention, if you will, about me, who I am, and what it means to live our Catholic faith. Now, have I always been the upstanding Catholic church-going person? No, I have not. Let me be straight up and honest about that. <coughs> Excuse me. I was that typical. I got confirmed, and guess what? I had a choice. I can go to Mass or I didn't have to go to Mass. Didn't go to mass. I went to boot camp, and the good thing about boot camp, at least back when I went, you know, on Sundays I was Protestant and Catholic because that gave me two hours away from the drill instructors where I wasn't getting yelled at. That was nice. Really enjoyed it. But I wasn't living the faith, right? I graduated boot camp and got out in the fleet. Uh, I had two choices on Sunday morning or Saturday night. Uh, I could either go to church or I could, you know, sleep and do whatever. And that's what I did. 
right? I didn't I didn't go to church. I didn't go to mass. The only time I went to mass is when I went home on leave, and I didn't really go home on leave that much. And it wasn't until I met my wife, or at that time uh, she wasn't my wife yet, but soon she'd be my wife, uh, the former Amy Garduki, right? I was stationed in Okinawa in 1990, and a good buddy of mine, Chris Leffler, uh, he brought me out uh, out town and introduced me to this young lady. Uh, at first, she didn't really think I was too keen or something. I don't know. Uh, but I knew as soon as I saw her, I was going to marry her. But I don't think she really thought the same thing. Uh, I asked her out on a couple dates. Uh, she always said yes, but then they ended up st- st- standing me up. And she did that to me three times. I don't know why I always tell that story, but I do. But finally, you know, I brought her, brought her some roses and uh, asked her out for her fourth date, and she said yes. Funny story about that fourth date. <laughs> Amy actually had to pay for it because I was broke. But the moral of that story is Amy, once uh, she came to the United States, which was 92, so two years later, and we were married, she really wanted us to go to Mass, and she really wanted us to go. And I always came up with excuses why we didn't have to go. You know? And you know, every night, every night like clockwork, Amy would want to pray. And, you know, so we were in bed together, and then we do our little prayers, and I could put my head in the small of my back, and I could count from 1 to 10, bada-boom, bada-bing. She's done with prayers, kiss, kiss, love, love, and we go to back, we go, we go on and go to sleep. And here's the deal. So here's a woman who really wants to go to Mass. We got married in the church, right? And again, here I am just going through the motions, not understanding what it means to live my faith. But my bride... My bride, on the other hand, she really was trying. And through her prayers, we started going back to Mass. It wasn't as regular as we wanted to, but we started going back to Mass. Then we were gifted with our first daughter, Lori. And we ended up going to uh, Crossville, Tennessee to have her baptized because that's where the majority of my family's at. Uh, My wife's family's in the Philippines, so, you know, that's a whole other dichotomy that we'll talk about as well. had her baptized. And I distinctly remember Father Greg looking both of us in the eyes and asking us that wonderful question that even I asked the parents and godparents when uh, we're getting ready to baptize a child. Do you fully understand what you're doing? And, of course, we said yes. But we didn't. We just answered the question. So that 10-hour drive back from uh, Crossville, Tennessee to uh, uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, we talked to each other and we're like, what did we just say that we're going to do? We said that we are going to raise our children, or at that time just child, Lori, in the Catholic faith, and yet here I am, a guy who doesn't want to go to Mass. What does that mean? Yeah, I'm going to raise my child. And I said yes. So do I believe in the sacrament? Do I believe the fact that I said I was going to do this? Or do I just continue to go through the motions? Well, and again, I think this is through Amy's prayers and perseverance. You know, we uh, started going to Mass. We started attending Infant of Prague in Jacksonville more frequently. In fact, we started going every Sunday. And by doing so, our lives actually changed. We started realizing God needs to be first in our lives. God needs to be first. And so we were spending some time now on Sundays actually going to Mass. And, of course, uh, we would always bring... Lori with us, right? And we would sit up in the front pew. Why? Because that way she could see what was happening. Well, she's an infant. What could she really see? It doesn't matter. She can still see, right? In fact, by doing so, it's a beautiful story. <laughs> by doing so, 
Lori never made a peep in church. Not once, right? Every time we went to Mass, she never made a sound. And uh, the nuns at that time that were at Infinite Prague, they uh, followed us one, a- one afternoon after Mass to the local restaurant where we went to. And uh, they made a beautiful angel uh, from aluminum foil and some other things and gave it to us because they said that our daughter was such a precious little angel during Mass because she never uh, cried or got rambunctious or anything, which I, I always thought was a pretty cool story. But, uh, and eventually, you know, uh, we were gifted with our second daughter, uh, Lisa, and, and the same thing. We always went to Mass together as a family on Sunday, and then we always tried to do something together after Mass. And that just that simple step forward of going to Mass every Sunday made a distinct difference in our lives as, as a family, as praying together, as learning what it meant to be living our faith in the domestic church, right? Because that's, that's, that's what this is. When we think about the family, it's the domestic church. And who's in charge of the domestic church? Well, it's the husband. Who's assisted by, right, the wife. But in this case, right, the wife, my wife, right, she's actually helping lead me because of the fact I was failing in my responsibilities, something that I said that I would do. And, you know, we, we can go back and forth and all that, and there's no reason to, but it, I encourage you to spend some time and read up on the domestic church and what that, that entails and what that means. So moving forward, you know, so going through all this uh, stuff in our lives in the military, you know, deployments and whatnot, um, there was during a retreat that I did not want to go to in Florida when we were stationed out in Jacksonville, Florida. And it's called Christ Renews His Parish. Uh, in fact, this is one of those times where uh, Amy and I had a huge disagreement about whether or not I was going to go to this uh, this uh, retreat, and I did not want to go to it. I knew I had a relationship with God. See, here I go again. I knew I had my relationship with God. I didn't need any help. But I wasn't going to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I wasn't really spending time in prayer. I was just, again, going through the motions, not realizing I was going through the motions because that's all I was doing. Well, that retreat really opened up my eyes, and it was the first time that I, in my adult life where I did actually participate in the Sacrament of Reconciliation, and a wonderful Monsignor uh, helped me through that, and it was the most beautiful experience I ever had in my adult life, next to my marriage, of course, and uh, the birth of my children and their marriages. Um, but it was wonderful. It really was wonderful. Having that, that, hearing those wonderful words, I absolve you of all of your sins, and just feeling so clean and so connected with God. It, it's hard to place words in that can truly depict what that means. And, you know, that led on to other things such as the starting of the diaconate. And when we had stationed here in 2004, yeah, 2004, because I retired in 2007, uh, we started going to Annunciation, and I was in the second uh, permanent diaconate class for... Uh, the Diocese of Raleigh, and we were ordained in 2010. So that's a little bit about me and who I am. But, you know, the remainder of this podcast, what I like to do is just spend a little bit of time and talking about us conforming, right, or changing. Changing is probably a better word. Changing is a better word. We'll use change. Changing our lives to be more like Christ. Uh, recently, I just... Uh, published a booklet called Confirmed and Ready, and one of the 
and it's based off my topic actually confirmed and ready it's uh, called one of the uh, sections in there says uh, I'm confirmed now what I'm confirmed now what and here's a beautiful quote from st. Francis de Sales and he says work hard every day at increasing your purity of heart which consists in appearing things I'm sorry which consists in appraising things and weighing them in the balance of God's will let me say that again work hard every day at increasing your purity of heart which consists in appraising things and weighing them in the balance of God's will isn't that beautiful he's telling us we have to do this every day and it's going to take work at increasing the purity of our hearts appraising things meaning are they of value and when I say value do they meet the virtues of what we're supposed to be we're living a virtuous life weighing them balancing them is it in accordance with God's will or is it not in accordance of God's will so what does that mean well let's look at this paragraph in our catechism of the Catholic Church it's actually paragraph 3 and it says those who with God's help have welcomed Christ's call and freely responded to it are urged on by love of Christ to proclaim the good news everywhere in the world this treasure received from the apostles has been faithfully guarded by their successors all Christ faithful let me say that again all Christ faithful are called to hand it on from generation to generation by professing the faith by living it in fraternal sharing and by celebrating it in liturgy in prayer that's pretty awesome and that's paragraph three but again it says all Christ faithful not some all are called to hand it on from generation to generation by professing the faith by living it in fraternal sharing and by celebrating it in liturgy in prayer so what what's the big deal so this is telling us how we're supposed to be living our lives. This is giving us a basics, the basics of what it means to live our lives as a confirmed Catholic. So now how, how do we do that? It takes practice. It takes prayer. It takes perseverance. It takes time. But here's something I want, I want to share with you. Now many of us have heard the judgment of nations. Many of us no, that, that's Matthew 25, 31 to 46. But listen to this in comparison to what I just read from the Catechism. In Matthew 25, 31 to 46, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate them from one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who, have, who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and he gave me food. I was thirsty, and he gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. 
Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visited you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brethren of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared from the devil, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and he gave me no food. I was thirsty, and he gave me no drink. A stranger, and he gave me no welcome. Naked, and he gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison, and he did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or ill or even in prison and not minister to you or your needs? He will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That's pretty, pretty straightforward and makes us wonder. What exactly does this mean? Why would he say something like this? Why would he tell us we, you know, you didn't see me? You know, are we trying to find Christ? Are we looking at our, our neighbors? Are we forgiving them? Are we forgiving our family members? Are we trying to be the person that Christ wanted us to be and wants us to be, yearns for us to be? Remember that quote from St. Francis de Sales at the beginning where he said, does it conform to God's or is it weighing them in the balance of God's will? Are our actions that of God's will? Are we doing those things that glorify God or are we doing things for ourselves? Big difference. Which one are we doing? So what do we do? Well, there's some simple steps. Start off with daily prayer. Now, here's the thing. Don't just say the words. Pray the prayer. Take your time. Meditate on what you're saying. Allow the grace you received from the Holy Spirit at confirmation to assist you to become a more perfect you in the image of God. Devotion to Mary. It may seem odd to have a devotion, but it's not. It's not odd to say that we honor Mary. What better way to know Jesus than to know her, his mother, Mary? And by reflecting daily on the rosary, you're actually reflecting on Christ. Spiritual reading. There is so much that we need to learn about our faith. So many great ways to learn from our faith. There are so many great authors out there, Catholic authors, the great doctors of the church. Spend time reading what they've had written and understand what it means to conform your life more like Christ. Participation. There's plenty of ways for you to participate and live your faith. Volunteer at these shelters. Volunteer at food pantries. Spend time at the hospital. Do what you can to help out your neighbor in need. Help out your family members. You know, there's so many different ways you can volunteer and spend time with with. With, with Christ. I mean, look at Mother Teresa. Look how, how she did it. This poor, this poor little nun had nothing, and yet look what she did. Look what she accomplished through her act of participation. The great sacrament of reconciliation. 
how often do we go? How often do we admit the fact that, yes, we are sinners? There's not one saint in that doggone church that you go to, believe it or not. But here's the deal. We're all trying to become saints. And how do we become saints? Well, we have to go and reconcile. That's what reconciliation is. We have to reconcile ourselves with God. And we'll spend more time on the sacraments in a different podcast. And, of course, attending Mass. But not just attending Mass, participating in Mass. And I'm sure that's going to be a hot topic later on, too. You know, is it supposed to be in Latin or is it Norvus Ordo? We'll spend time on the Mass as, as, as well. But participating at Mass, active participation at Mass, and what that means. So that's just sort of like a glimpse of what I hope to accomplish over these podcasts in the, in the coming weeks to come. I hope that you found this uh, interesting, and hopefully you'll come back and uh, want to learn more and spend some time with me. Uh, if you are interested, I do have, uh, as I mentioned before, I have some books out. One is called The Apostles and Me, and the booklet that I referenced earlier is Confirmed and Ready, which is one of my uh, presentations or talks that I, that I provide at different parishes. I have another uh, booklet coming out. It's called uh, Living a Catholic and Moral Life. All that information you can find on my website, which is www.deaconwallycalibries.com. That's deaconwallycalibries.com. And if you'd like to invite me out to your parish to provide a retreat or a parish mission, you know, by all means ask your pastor if he'd be interested. And I'd love to come out and visit with you. So that's going to be it for this first podcast. And how about we close with a prayer? And I can't think of a better prayer than asking for Mary's intercession. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I wish you all a wonderful evening and many blessings. And until next time, God bless.